Warning, the following podcast may contain explicit content on addition-specific material. Listener discretion is advised. Boom. That's right. Ah, the time has come. Welcome to the Dice Are Screaming podcast, our Friday edition and our our 50th. 50th anniversary. Yes, that's right. We've been doing 50 of these things. Yeah, I know. It just really kind of crept up on me. It didn't seem like we'd been at this that long. Yep, we are the lowest bar on the rung of poorly produced (laughs) and scripted podcasts out there. Wait, we're scripted? (laughs) (laughs) Let us keep one thing. Uh, Keep our dignity. Mm. Keep our kimono closed. Uh, we could you know, <laughs> talk about bards, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We've got a reputation to uphold. We are the off-brand cereal of gaming podcasts. That's right. <laughs> we are the 3 a.m. late, late, late show of gaming podcasts. We're we're the the late show of gaming podcasts. Not the uh, not the John Stewart of gaming podcasts. Oh no, the, we would never be that high. The Craig Kilborn of gaming podcasts. Yeah, we are. We are the lowest rung. With the bar on the ground. Thank you, Anchor. Yes. <laughs> that little jab out there for you, Vince Foster. All right. Uh, uh, but I got to say this. Uh, the cultural bar was pretty low uh, to begin with. But I've heard a lot of podcasts in the last year, which was not a thing that I was heavily into before this. And what I mostly hear are a lot of individuals out there talking about a game they love, and that's the thing I'm really happy to be a part of. Zero shame, man. Zero shame. Now, we got no shame in our game, man. Speaking of no shame, tonight... Yeah. We're rolling it out. The big one. This is happening. Edition Wars. That's right. We're going to talk about various editions. So, gird your loins, because you're about to go on a ride. Yeah, this, prepare for battle. Uh, <laughs> we can't promise that everybody here is going to make it back alive. But we can promise that we're going in. Yeah, we might give, bring you along for some laughs and some wild rides and some bumps in the road. Hopefully you enjoy yourselves. Yeah, we're, <laughs> don't worry, we'll get you back to the Shire. But first, we got to go all the way into Mordor. Uh-huh, so buckle up. All right, so ah. I, nothing is more contentious than a specific edition, because people love their editions. Oh my gosh, and it it almost always fixates on when a person arrived in the game, or that peak climactic moment where they were playing the most often and with the most enjoyment out of it, to the right click of people. And that has a huge impact on which edition people remember fondly. Mm Mm-hmm. So even even the two people sitting here at this table right now having this discussion uh, have some varying opinions. And uh, believe me, this this has occasionally been a source of contention, even among people who have been pals for 30-plus years. Uh, let's see. We're going to kick off with you. Oh. Should, should we do this edition by edition? Yeah, I think let's, let's start at the beginning and move on. I mean, uh, we didn't arrive at the very onset of it all. We were alive, but uh, cognizant of Dungeons and Dragons before we actually got our hands on material, yeah, we knew it was out there. Yeah, it was a cultural phenom. Uh, It was appearing in advertisements in comic books. Uh, 
you know, popping up in little bookstores where we'd pass it by on the way to things that we had already established that we liked. So it was nearby. We had the proximity to it. But were we there firstest with the mostest? Absolutely not. And the firstest would be the white box and the little brown books, as they're called, and the later supplements, Blackmore, Greyhawk, and Eldritch Wizardry. And yeah, and this was that. adapted from Chainmail, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Chainmail really didn't have a role-playing rule set to begin with, but right. it was the start, and uh, from that sprang a lot of other things. But, yeah, when Dungeons & Dragons was first unleashed, uh, nobody really knew what to make of it, to be honest, and there was various approaches. So, in the very early edition, the earliest one, which we'll call Original Edition, uh, it was pretty much a do-it-yourself ethic. They had rules for just about everything, including a little bit of... Uh, Castle building and end game and you know distribution of magic items and whatnot, but it wasn't really well fleshed out, and nor was it meant to be. It was just kind of thrown out there. Here's something you can do. Yeah, and the various supplements uh, expanded the game, gave more uh, and encounters and monsters and all kinds of stuff. The way I understand it, it wasn't even really a big time money making operation out the gate. It was that a bunch of gamers out in Wisconsin started doing a thing. And it got real popular around the universities, and, you know, people wanted copies of it. They were yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm going back home, it's the end of my uh, four years in college, and I'm going back to California, so uh, can you guys print me off a copy of this? Oh, yeah. They'd Xerox it, make, uh, you know, a little stacked pile of paper of the original rules. Uh, and out of that desire that came the ability to publish something and print it and like have real printers do the work and uh, they were shipping that out of a garage so you know big win we got to give a nod to that original edition yeah you know, just because we weren't around for it doesn't mean we don't acknowledge it without yeah. it we wouldn't have had a lot of the things that we enjoy now yeah had it not been carried to universities and uh, big cities all over the country uh, the seeds would not have germinated. It would not have been this enormous cultural impact that like just flowed out of the Midwest to everywhere else. Yeah, and uh, different regions and different people had different uh, takes on it. And, you know, before you knew it, uh, it was getting pretty big. And so they started uh, what was called the Blue Box by uh, the Holmes edition. And that's where I first cut my teeth on it, although I did not own a copy originally because I played it and borrowed it from friends. And I was just a player at the time. I really didn't have a great grasp on the rules or a great idea of where I wanted to go with this game, but I liked it. I liked playing my character, my dwarf, Baffert Ironbeard, very proud of that name. <laughs> and uh, A little classic mythology. Oh, yeah. Good on you. Baffert, uh, from the Grey Monster. You know, I thought I was being clever. Uh, oh, dude, I named one of my favorite characters of all time, Barak, after the character in... Uh, the Sleeping Dragon. Yeah. You know. So, uh, you know, we're not fooling anybody here. We're just full-fledged nerds, man. But uh, I think both me, me and Mike fully got on board with DMing and full gaming with the Arrow Otis cover, Basic Dungeons & Dragons Little Red Book. Yeah. And boy, was I confused, because I went from having a dwarf fighting man to a dwarf class, which I kind of figured it out. But, you know, then there was this book you were supposed to get called... Expert, and yeah. from expert, the guy at the Myers Toy World said, "Oh, you already played D&D. Well, here have these player handbooks. This is what you want, anyway." Yeah, this is where I ran afoul too. Is that at the exact same time that Basic and Expert had come available, 
the first copies of first edition Player's Handbook and DM Guide were also hitting the streets. So if you had been playing Basic and Expert and thought that the rule set would be identical in the hardbound books, <laughs> oh my goodness, oh the cruelties that were inflicted upon us as we proceeded to foul up the rules in every possible, in even a few very unique and innovative ways. So that, you know... Yeah, you know, we figured it out. We, we uh, fell flat on our face. But we started playing what would be called later the first edition. Now, we just called it AD&D, and we kind of looked down at those who are just playing basic as noobs. Yeah, that, that's your beginner stuff right there. Yeah. yeah so gamer snobbery was a part of the scene. Don't don't think it wasn't. We're, we're not going to... We're just going to own it, okay? We're not even going to get ourselves if that didn't happen. Oh, I play advanced Dungeons Dragons. Yeah. My nerdery is mm-hmm. strong. The nerd is strong in this one. Well, we were, what, like 13, 14, so who cares? <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> but either way, we got uh, Advanced Dungeons Dragons underway, and the first edition was where we started. So, And that's where I want to pause for a moment and... write alternately a love letter and criticism to the first edition. I have the greatest love for the first edition, not based on its uh, production superiority at all. I I disavow that entirely. That is not the basis of my love. My love is because, as I had mentioned early on, it was the one that I really started coming... We came into our own as... uh, role-playing game players, and DMs with that edition. And as it became a really enjoyable pastime, and I was familiar with it, I enjoyed gaming so much more than I had in those, those earliest fumbling days. But I am absolutely willing to acknowledge that in many respects it was cobbled together from a lot of material it was disparate. It was a scattered leaflets, little bits of notepad paper, and they shoved the DM guide together, and it's still my favorite book because it's just like a jumble puzzle of <laughs> joy. Everything so, that I discovered that in That scrambled it, word game. Yes. <laughs> it's the Jenga tower of, of game books. You just don't know where everything is going to land. Yeah. Uh, but in spite of all of its inadequacies, it was first for me. The, the first time I really knew what I was doing and my head was in the game and we could put together some really consistent gaming experiences. So a few years of that made me Yeah, it, it's kind of like the drunk uncle of gaming. It was, you know, we make a lot of excuses. All the initiative rules were just, you know, a mess. Try to explain surprise and initiative rules. Five minutes, no looking up anything, go. Yeah, you know, it's got a lot to go wrong with it, but it gets so many things right that you just, you really don't care. They're entertaining, they're not, it's not angry, it's not talking down to you. You actually have to come up to its level, but it doesn't, like, hold itself above you. It, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, okay, you got to climb up this ladder to see what's on the other side. That's what way it was with the Dungeon Master's Guide. The verbiage was a little rough. And it was a little unforgiving because it wasn't just written as introductory material. It was assumed that you knew kind of what you were doing. Yeah, it was written for a person with a college-level vocabulary. It was not 
pulling punches. Uh, it was not originally aimed at high schoolers. Mm -hmm. So if you happened to pick this up at 13 or 14, well, you cut your teeth on it and you learned to start adapting and overcoming and you bust out that thesaurus and that dictionary and you're like, oh, what the heck does that mean? You know, and yeah. before you were done, you got an education while you were playing with that book. So I, I'm not going to diss it. And yeah, and like the drunken uncle analogy yeah. falls flat. I mean, it's not that it was doing anything wrong. It just, it was, a lot of people make excuses for it. And I think that it's fair to come to terms with where it had flaws and just address those and not say like, oh, it kept me away from it. Maybe some people it did. But then we played it and some of the best modules and best times we had were from that edition. And yeah. it still shows today because people look back at that stuff with fondness. And we're not just not talking about Caves of Chaos or Keep on the Borderlands. We're talking about things like Against the Giants and... Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The Slaver series yeah, Against Slaver the Giants, series, yep. the Drow, yep. uh, the whole Underdark campaign. Yeah. White Plume Mountain. Those uh, are classics for a reason. And, of course, Tomb of Horrors. Uh, Expedition yeah. to Barrier Keep. Oh, geez. Did I just bring that one out? Oh, I didn't mean to start a fist fight. Yeah. With already another fist fight. Yeah, lasers. 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 Keep your lasers out of my D&D. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, sorry. Well, but, that's one of those ones where... Uh, you want some disposable characters to go through that because the last thing you want is your your standard characters roaming the land with you know grenades and laser pistols. Oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, you come to somebody else's campaign, you might as well just uh, you know start packing your bags right then because the pop cans are going to go start flying across the room at you. Yeah, if you want to, you want a DM who's going to put you in a chokehold in five minutes. Show up with a character who's been <laughs> geared out by going through the barrier to the or expedition to the barrier peak. Uh, yeah, here's a that was, joke for you folks, at uh, listeners at home. Ask us about our live-action recreation of the Road Warrior scene of, between Lord Humongous and Wes, the Wasteland Warrior. <laughs> ah, uh, I, I wouldn't so much describe it as a live-action recreation. Recreation. <laughs> recreation is a, a desperate gambit uh, to get Mike to... Cool out. <laughs> it, just ask us about it sometime. You run into it. So yeah, exactly. There, there's your fiftieth episode uh, gem or nugget. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's something to uh, ask about at a later date. We'll 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 sling the rest of that story some other time. But um, uh, you know, first edition had a good run. It started what seventy seven, I think, with the monster manual. Seventy eight, seventy nine, with the player's handbook, DM's guide about that. So yeah, you know, roughly about the time when we were per had some purchasing money. Uh, disposable income, as it's called now, um, a.k.a. our allowance. Uh, we got entangled in that mess. And, boy, it wasn't until, what, uh, late 88, 89, I think the second edition came out. And here's where we're going to get uh, on to the, the next edition. The second edition came out, and to be honest, it was a very well-presented, cleaned-up, and approachable edition. Now, I'm... I, I recall the onset of second edition, and I have not yet forgotten that I suffered the almost stereotypical uh, anger and shock and dismay that I would have to learn slightly different rules and buy different editions, and you're like, Dah! you know, edition hate kicked in, which I have instinctively. I mean, you know, my first impulse is to be furious when I have to go start all over again. That honks me off to... No end. I've never gotten over that, and I probably never will. 
it wears off in time. So I'm going to, let's see, I'm going to go over okay. a couple of things that ticked me off at that time. And we've touched on this a few times before, so I'll just hit these real quick. Number one, the book quality, the actual like printing quality, was not quite on par with the good old-fashioned DM guide. Oh, yeah. We're still using those things. Those are made like it's math a- textbooks, man. You can abuse those to every which way a book can be abused, and they still come back for more smiling. Oh, yeah. Tank treads should be made out of old DM guides because, you know, they're actually far sturdier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, that having been said... Uh, they were slickly produced, you know, high-quality paper. Uh, the rules had been presented in a more linear form so that subject by subject you could easily reference, uh, you know, the, the ability to work your way through the book finding a specific topic. Much better job, okay? I'll just I'll give them that. But they nerfed a bunch of stuff because of pop culture at the moment, the satanic no panic. Yeah, the satanic panic of the 80s had kicked in, and Tipper Gore was trying to figure out which bands were inappropriate for Americans to listen to. And in the midst of that, TSR was also under the gun, and I, they made some decisions that now, as a middle-aged person, I look back on and go, well, if I were in business and I had to do these things to uh, prevent imminent censure by the government, then... Perhaps I would have chosen as they chose. At the time, I was like, oh, they gave in to loony birds. Shame on them. You know, because when you give these nimrods legitimacy, it convinces them that they had a point, uh, which the only point they have is on the top of their heads. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was not pleased by the end of Demons and Devils and the placement of Tanari and Batazu. Uh, Nor was I thrilled with the disappearance of assassins, which was... They slipped it in a little bit later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the the complete books, which, you know, hate them or like them. Okay, I didn't say love. Um, <laughs> whatever you like, think about them. Um, the Assassin Kit for both the Fighter and the Rogue were really good. And uh, I like, they were my go-to ones for that one. The Advent of Kits. Yeah, um, the Mermidian. I mean, who here hasn't played a uh, fighter with the Mermidian Kit? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, exactly, because it's really cool, and it, it helps you, you know, start a place. And well, it's a fighting fighter, okay? Mm-hmm. No nonsense, all about the all about the getting the hits and crits. You know, that's the role mm-hmm. of... Uh, the kits allowed a little more customization. They had a clumsy introduction to skills as a relevant part of the game. Which were optional, but, on, yeah. which was not on their part. It was a, a thing that you could add if you chose, and they had points that could be assigned to skills and things like that. Uh, but they were somewhat less gameplay relevant, which is why they were able to be optional. Uh, I mean, who cares if you know how to sail a boat? Uh, unless your campaign is specifically engineered so that the characters are going to be doing some of that and you want to test them on it, uh, there wasn't a real necessity for it. No, not at that time, Um but however, it was a start, and uh, other games added skill system, and we'll deal with this in just a moment. But, but got to mention Thaco. Yeah, and Thaco this is was... where they got it right. Okay, that I'm gonna break down and say, no matter how mad I was at the time, having a a to hit armor class zero system 
that made numerical mathematical sense in some form and that could be indexed up and down very quickly from memory, not by consulting the charts on the book or on the DM screen. Boom, you just, you know, okay, starting from zero, we move to, oh, all right, that's what we need. And right. that was it. That was a terrific move forward. I'm not going to, I'm not going to diss that. Yeah, and what was a, uh, a shorthand in the back of the DM's guide? The first edition one um, became more of a thing, and it was a nice little and clever uh, little inclusion that was put at the tail end of first edition, but second edition fully embraced it. And so, you know, second edition, one of the big things about it, it had campaign settings. Wow. Well supported. Starting right off the gate with Dark Sun and Ravenloft and, yeah, even Spelljammer. Um, Dragonlance was uh, second yep. edition compliant. Yep. Yep. Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, and of course, the Planescape stuff that came yep. later was second edition based. Spelljammer, yep. uh, all kinds of settings for all kinds of different stuff. Birthright, yeah, which, Red Steel, yeah, Nisara. Oh, I'd forgotten Red Steel. Yeah, they tra transferred years. it from basic halfway through. They kind of canned basic, and you buy basic D and D. It's just advanced D and D now. And Mistara was pulled in. But, you know, however it was done, and of course, Greyhawk was given love, but the main campaign setting was Forgotten Realms. And Oh, that was another big flagship of the time. I was a huge fan, admittedly, uh, and still am, because I liked Ed Greenwood's writing style. Uh, you know, there was just a certain air about it. That, yeah. And the presentation of many of the products released for it uh, were more like DM Hint collections. It just loosely fleshed out rumors around areas and then let the would-be budding DM go fill in the blanks and do the homework. Uh, and they provided a ton of hints on every nook, cranny, and corner. Now, uh, and you could change anything you wanted. I yeah. love that kind of individual choice and total you know, authority to alter your game as you see fit. Now, the bad part, second edition became uh, mostly fodder for novelization. A lot of people complained yeah. that there wasn't uh, very well-written adventures like there were for first. But I also point out that Dungeon Magazine was in full publication at the time and was doing a fine job. Oh, yeah. Not, this... not every issue with Dungeon was great, but, you know, that's what you get. It's hit or miss. It's kind of a potluck, you know. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's okay, and sometimes, eh, you know, it doesn't do anything Well, and Dungeon it. only did, what, uh, six issues a year? Yeah, it was bi-monthly. Yeah, it was bi-monthly. So, you know, six issues a year. And usually, out of every two Dungeon Magazines, a person might find one and or two modules uh, written up that might make a nice little game for themselves. Uh, I I didn't use every single issue, but goodness, uh, the ones that I didn't actually use, many of them I borrowed from. I said, yeah. that concept's great. This guy who dreamed this stuff up is, you know, right on point. I want that. So, second edition... Well supported, but yeah, they had the whole publishing branch thing that uh, kind of took over the empire, and then all of a sudden, you know, the publications about real game material started to trickle off, and the publishing empire got big, and then yeah, it had collapsed. a little bit to do about '95 or so when something called Magic Gathering came in, and we're of course not going to dwell on it overly, other than it needs being mentioned. And TSR spent a lot of time and resources trying to capitalize on that and other things and chase this. And they ended up in financial problems by not really paying attention to what was what got them there in the first place. But hey, you have to do things 
as the need requires. So and you learn as you go, man. I mean, honestly, if something worked for you, uh, I personally would not have made some of the choices they made. Uh, well, yeah, because, hindsight. Because, you know, I mean, we know what we love. Uh, but we were the customer, not the actual maker. So, honestly, I, I can't really be that hard on them. Uh, it was a lot of people who were very independent in the early days. It was sort of a little Wild West you yeah. know, freak show going on there. And then it all went corporate, and everybody had to put on suits, and a different state of mind came on. And that frame of mind was not well matched for the gaming yeah. atmosphere. I mean, it's one thing to put people in a room and say, okay, don't come out of here until you get a brand new spanking idea. Yeah, we want to see... That works in corporate culture when you're making little doodads and widgets and whatnot. It doesn't work so well when you're dealing with creativity, and you can't force creativity. Now, you can put creative people together and try to formulate something, but it's not lightning in a bottle, man. It's not, you know, and not everyone's going to be a great world reinventing revolution. So, second edition... I think was one of the high times of gaming. And even though people have some very diverse parts of their views of it. Yeah. And I mean diverse parts because a lot of guys were growing up. They were getting families. They were getting serious jobs. And time just wasn't around like it was before. So, second edition did drop off. But then, third edition. Now, here's where, like once again, and this is a theme that will continue throughout the entire course of this conversation... Uh, Mike had an immediate meltdown and was livid. I had no interest in having to be overhauled and go through another edition <laughs> after having painstakingly acquired a great many second edition materials, much of which, despite my initial protestations, I did enjoy. I eventually, you know, really got on the bandwagon, and once I did, I became a much better DM with a lot of reading material that had inspired me, and I, I think... Second edition did me a lot of favors. Third came along, and for a lengthy period of time, I dropped out. I just opted out and went, I'm taking my second edition books and I'm going home. All right. Well, he did, and this is where I'm going to take over. Is that I went to Gen Con that uh, year that came out, uh, the year before I was there when uh, The Hug, uh, Gary and uh, Dave Arneson shook hands, you know. Yeah. And Wizards bought them out. And Wizards, whether you like third edition or not, okay? And here's me going on the limb. Uh, this is where I would like Mike to contribute just for a minute. Third edition has been with us long enough now that we can call that old school. I think that's fair. I think, and this is what, uh, this is 2019? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, if we can look back at second edition as old school, so we can certainly say third edition. But I digress. The well, point is, is it, that it deserves that nomenclature only because, and as much as I hate to say this, because I was not happy with the advent of third edition. The absolute truth is, second edition was fading. The business was like not doing well. Third edition came along, and for all of the the clunks right in the beginning, it resuscitated gaming. Uh, yeah. The open gaming license did do gaming itself favors. It it's it literally ran a flag up, announcing to the world of gamers that go forth, create. Fly, my minions! Fly, my bat-winged monkeys! Oh, yeah. Uh, and Green Lantern was right there at that Gen Con with their Freeport stuff. You know, they were jumped right on it. 
And so, all of a sudden it exploded. It was everywhere. Yeah. Gaming stuff was in every magazine. It was popping up online all yeah. over the place. Wizards put their largest Bow. from Magic. And they put it to work. And while there was some uh, boner moves with 3rd Edition <clears throat> that prompted 3.5. Yeah. 3rd Edition was one thing. It no longer had a ascending-descending armor class. You know, negative 2 is better than 8. Yeah, what? just stacks. You know, and they, they did the same thing with saves. The, the bonus yep, stacks. They broke it, was... it down from paralyzation, poison, and death magic, and breath weapon to reflex, or fortitude, or will. And it streamlined it. Got to admit, after, and it happened once again, after my initial <laughs> protestations, when the rage wore off and everybody was gaming without me, and I, you're like, well, they're playing third edition, but it's a game, so. It's got dungeons and dragons in it. And all right. 20 sided dice, yeah. I'll go over, all right, I'll come over Saturday night. You'll have to write the character, though. I don't know how those stupid rules work. So, you know. Uh, yep, the ripping bitterness. I slowly began to learn the system and went, "Oh, well, that's that's kind of easier." Uh. <laughs> yeah, and certain things were more intrinsic and they were easier to grasp. And okay, so there were a lot of things that people don't like about third edition. I hear you, but I'm not going to agree with you. Okay, I, I like. I loved the open gaming license because whatever else I may have been upset about, gaming took off, and when all of gaming takes off. When other people start creating material, when creativity piles up in the marketplace and it's all over, we all win. And that was that got through to me way before the system did. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, talk about the system. Talk about that system. Uh, there are a lot of things maybe you don't like. Okay. So you don't like skill points. You don't like this, that. All right. Fine. I do. I like uh, the feat system, I wasn't so happy about the prestige class, especially in 3.5. I initially was warm to it, but it wore off. And there were some <laughs> problems with them overproducing, and it was just like Wizards was just running this as fast and as hard as they could. They were just like, they put the accelerator down, just make money, make money, make money. So many feats. Uh, you know, feats don't fail me now. Yeah. Uh, next thing we knew, uh, feats flat books were popping up all over the place, and players were showing up with Elaborate combos. Uh, but, you know, I just did 812 points of damage. What? Dragon's dead. Why did you even bring one? But they did challenge rate things better, and they there was an acknowledgement. And a little part of me is such an old schooler that you're like, ah, when you're a DM, you just you you go out and it's like dancing on thin ice, and either you sink or swim. You know, sure, yeah. you're gonna wind up by the fireplace sometimes, going, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But other times, you're going to do something amazing. And I, I felt that the learning curve was eliminated by that. Yeah. Because they prepared new DMs to balance what they presented players. And I, I approve of that more now that I've given it time to think about it. It sunk in, and I went, ah, you know, if, you're, if you were 14 like I was, you wouldn't have the fouled-up experiences that we had with the basic first split. And anything that so. is made by humans is... So, nothing is perfect. I liked 3rd uh, Edition for what it brought. The detractions from it is the stat box. The massive overflow of information. Yeah. Sure, sure, I need to know these things. But, you know, uh, it it was way too much. And just crafting your own stuff required time. The, prep amount, the work that I had to put in prepping my materials and reviewing stuff. It ate into a lot of my time. And that I would rather be doing creative. 
So there is that detraction. But third edition, for better or for worse, it lasted for, oh, well, almost eight years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, fell flat. Uh. Even with 3.5. And then we were told we were doing it wrong. Yeah, uh, a that. certain person at TSR named Bill Slavisek said, <laughs> "Hey, you've been playing D and D, and you've been having a good time. Well, guess what? You're wrong. You've been playing with bad rules, bad math, and bad wrong fun. And so, guys like me, this is my turn to be angry. Where I was like, "Hey, screw you, and screw you, and the horse you rode in on, and you can take this new fourth edition and go jump in the lake." I, on the other hand, took the incredibly cynical, angry view of, well, it, actually, we both had a pretty angry view, but uh, I, mine was incredibly cynical. I was like, oh, this is about the open, game, open gaming license. Uh, you don't have a wholly owned subsidiary of all gaming everywhere for all time. Uh, and your lawyers are trying to explain to you at length why you absolutely have to get rid of that horrible, awful, terrible uh, 3.5 edition that is such a bad idea because open gaming license has caused other gamers to make products and make money-making products and for there to be more games on the market. What we want is a closed house. Uh, and I saw that as a real attack on the concept of gaming itself, like an attempt mm -hmm. to reclaim the flagship and say, all of you scallywags, get off this boat, get into the life rafts and get out of here. We don't care if the sharks get you. Um, and unfortunately, those scallywags happen to be all the actual gamers. Yeah. So, so yeah, when... The this is what happens when people in suits decide how gamers should game. I wouldn't exactly call Bill Slavis a guy in a suit, but he was wearing one at the time. So, yeah. All right, so fourth edition came out. It was announced. Now, I, again, went to Gen Con that year and played a game of it. And they asked me at the playtest scenario, what did you think? And I said, it's a great game. And it was. But it is not Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, there's no way that I'm casting Fireball at first level and you're expecting me to say that's Dungeons & Dragons. Look, um, first of all, uh, if you... Going, this is where I'm going to have that explicit content reminder flashing at the bottom of the screen. This was an actual live cast which I totally would have shaved closer today if I knew that was going to happen, but I digress. Well, yeah, we, we've we got faces made for radio. Yeah, um, to which with, I will say, if you came in playing 4th edition and you enjoyed it and you had fun, good on you. I'm glad that somebody did. Um, for me, I was uh, very upset about it, and for what I felt were com um, similar reasons to Mike, but kind of different ones at the same time. I had, I didn't like the way it played, it also kind of took away from the Dungeon Master's role. It wanted to be more like an MMORPG or just like World of Warcraft, the role-playing game, without actually being that. So what happened? We went and we went old school. Yeah, yeah the OSR was out and we embraced it, like uh, the Taliban and uh, ooh, or whatever. Um, we went out like wild rampaging barbarians and tore down the new structure. Uh, and we, we rebuilt it. Uh, we were <laughs> playing old Mojo Nixon albums. Burn down the malls. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so we, we went punk. We went we went rogue. Uh, I hereby declare this a black op. No yeah. witnesses. Now, we didn't get into the other one derivatives, which we're just going to touch on here. Swords and Wizardry, uh, Labyrinth Lord, um, what have you. They were out, but we already had the old books, so... This is where we were like, hey. I ran a second edition campaign in Lansing for about two and a half, 
almost three years. Uh, Randy was running a 3.5 campaign in Battle Creek, and that's when he had the hot idea, uh, when I drifted back into this area, hey, how about, here's this crazy idea, why don't we drag out our first edition stuff and introduce all these people who are down at the comic book shop playing 4th edition, why don't we give them a window into what the first edition of the game was like? And then people will understand the disconnect between where we came from and this crazy place we're in now. Holy cow, were we like rock stars. Uh, you know, that's hard to say yeah. because we had like almost 38 people at one point in time in oh, diverse tables. Yeah, we had to... Each of us split off at first and had our own table. And then our tables grew past about 10, 12 people. And that got out of control, which even for us, I mean, and we're old hat at this. Now taking combat from table three. Yeah. <laughs> Please have your damage rolls and to hit modifiers figured out. I didn't sit at the table anymore. I had ambulatory charts, you know, ready, and I would have the books propped open in my hand, and I would work my way around the table, handling each person's <laughs> situation in, during that round at a time. So it was kind of like running a freaking foot race uh, while DMing, just circling the table like a shark, uh, prepared to roll dice and then pounce upon a player at any given moment. Uh, you know, just, oh, exhausting. But then we trained new DMs, and they branched off. <laughs> All first edition and stuff like that, and so it goes. Uh, but then... And still, I'm still running a first edition campaign, yeah, even now. Uh, uh, but what happened next was 5th edition. And 5th edition took, like, almost every single edition and took something out of it. And even with 4th, yes, even with 4th. Even with the, the hated one, the truth was... They got the message, and I, I don't disapprove of this. I, I may not have developed a love yet for 5th edition because the burn is still new, you know, the new edition field that I have trouble with, but in spite of a clunky start where I don't feel that they rolled out the material in the correct stages uh, yeah. from a marketing standpoint, okay? True. This is from a business mind standpoint. You want to get stuff into people's hands. They did a, a little quick kit so that people could do first to fourth level games. Uh, but it took them months. Yeah, and it months. wasn't like the first, uh, the basic Dungeons and Dragons red box. Yeah, where the bam, kit complete. Yeah, you only got one, two, three levels, but it's a complete game. Yeah, and then you go out, you get your expert set, and you're on. Well, in this case, they had a slower rollout than they should have, and I was a little disappointed by that right out of the gate. But they didn't quit. They no, they followed didn't. through eventually. They, they got, got material out. Yeah, they did. They got the DMs Guild going, and people were able to self-publish again, much like with 3rd edition. And what do you know? It's back at the top. And so You see, when you invite the players in to the process, it starts to work again. This, uh, what is it, Adventure League is the, the name of these? Yeah, Adventure League, uh, Dun uh, Dungeon Masters Guild. Yeah. Uh, that's all sanctioned by uh, Wizards of the Coast. You just have to work through them instead of going through RPG Now or whatever. Well, and this is reminiscent of the old days, which, again, they're dredging something from the high point of gaming yeah. years before, uh, where, you know, 
you're actually participating in what is more effectively an MMORPG than 4th edition had managed. Now, I'm an old coot, so I'm going to just going to say that I the one thing that after 5th edition, I like 5th edition, I played it, and it feels like D&D to me. Okay, so yeah. if one, somebody uh, wants to get on me and say, oh, you're dishing on... Uh, Pissing on uh, fourth edition. Well, yeah, I should, and there's my reasons for it. But I don't begrudge people oh, who like it. I would never do that. Oh yes, because that would put the fire out on its burning corpse. Oh, uh, well, all right, there it slipped out. Sorry, I didn't hate it that much. Okay, uh, but it was if they would have called it magic, the role playing <laughs> game, I would have been like, hey, you know what, you got something here. Now notice the difference in fifth edition. This time, as they create supplements that are located in settings from Magic the Gathering, but have maintained all of the familiar core rules of a proper role-playing game, this time they got it right. Because well, I, yeah. I never hated the settings from Magic. I thought that was... Yeah, and creating this mythology around the, the cards in Magic the Gathering was part of its appeal. So yeah. now they've made that come to life in a gaming sense... And it's, it's A, it is smart marketing, but B, it did not radically disrupt the core concept no, of the didn't. game. This time. Well, and 5th edition, for all its detractions, which are few, it's mostly sour grapes. I like 5th edition. Now, because I do not actively participate in playing it, does not mean that I despise it or uh, dislike it. Uh, much the contrary. I, I want there to be a strong Dungeons & Dragons. I've just kind of moved on where I don't need a new edition every 10 years. Now, you know, Pathfinder, which I play a lot of, is coming out with a second edition. Now, am I going to look at it? Am I going to incorporate things from it? Yeah, I already have into my game. But no one forces me to buy an edition. And I think that's the big thing that we're coming away with. Is that, you know, we've changed with the times because we felt at the points that there was merit in changing. Yeah, I don't give up my books. Uh, the reason I've been able to like play the edition, literally, you're, you're talking to two people who, for a period of about five years, uh, were playing first edition, third edition, uh, and then like fifth edition has just phased in, uh, despite the fact that, honestly, those were... Most of them, except fifth edition, were not were just older editions, uh, and the big question was: Do we hit the table and roll some dice tonight or not? It was never: Are we playing the proper edition? Yeah. Uh, my hatred of a particular one or love for another does not change the fact that, like, right down at the core, uh, I am a dice rolling gaming nerd, and I love to get my RPG on. So uh, nothing stops that. And nothing should. Nothing should have to. Yeah, play what you like. And first of all, there is no such thing as out-of-date material. I'll tell you right now, I've taken a first edition module from... Heck, I think it was actually for, for uh, original edition from Judges Guild and modified it for third edition. So if that can be done easily, anything else is possible. Oh, yeah. I've, I've an orc is an orc, and a room full of specters <laughs> is a room full of specters. Yeah, and if you have a good, comfortable familiarity with new edition rules, uh, most you know DMs with any degree of practice, uh, once you've got a couple of years under your belt, there should be no reason why 
Uh, he or she can't just adapt a module on the spot over the weekend, sit down, get ready to do some bookwork, convert those stats, and bam. You know, just take the core concepts, lift them, and put them on a new edition framework, and you got same old classic game. Uh, especially, as we have so often said before, good DMs don't borrow. They, they steal. steal. Exactly. So, you know, roll with the changes. If uh, I'm sure at some point in time uh, there will be a sixth edition, and it'll you, happen. If you feel like that is something that you want to get on board with, go right ahead. Um, you'll still catch me playing Pathfinder, and you'll probably still catch Mike running a first edition, and we'll still be talking about the old games and the new, because that's what kind of Joes we are. Yeah, it does not uh, impugn our gaming reputation to play games. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's sort of our raison d'etre, in so, spite of the fact that we are the colorectal exam of, oh, of gaming podcasts. Colorectal <laughs> exam. Oh. Uh, well, you know... I guess if we're going to take a title, I guess that's one that no one will ever take away from us. They don't, want, from they don't want it. Well, you know, uh, but don't yeah, ruin the moment. It's a kimono victory lap. You know, we've, we've finally opened the door on the addition wars. Yeah. Uh, full frontal kimono for everybody. Cause, Apologies know. to you fourth edition folks who may feel I, that uh, we treated that addition unfairly. And hey, I, look, I, I if you it. like it, you yeah. know what? Tell us why we're wrong. Did you have fun with your friends? Well, then, dude, or do that. You were playing it right. And it's, right. I'm not going to gainsay you for that. I may not have enjoyed it. I may have been very bitter about the, you know, causes of its origin uh, and a portion of its content. But that having been said, everything I said back at the beginning still holds true. People love an addition because of their first primary experiences with it. And they have the right to love that. Those are happy memories, that sacred gamer ground. Hallowed ground, Highlander. That's right. We don't fight here. So that, you're doing it right. It's not mine to judge. But all right. So our 50th episode said and done. I think That's we, it. We, we, we did a long time. our spleen. <laughs> My bile glands are empty. Uh, uh. The, the venom sacs... Have been unloaded. I, I got. I, I'm waiting for the other analogy to come forward, but this is a family-friendly podcast. No, it's not. No. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, we, let we your try. fetid imagination. We, we try. try. <laughs> let your fetid imaginations carry that way. Uh, all right. So, uh, thanks for sticking with and for these fifty, and hopefully for fifty more and fifty more beyond that. To infinity and beyond. Um, we're going to keep coming at you, despite the Lord Bar. Lord expectations. <laughs> yeah, have we not made it abundantly clear that we, in no possible respect, know what we are doing? Right. <laughs> this is produced inside the kitchen of two boneheads who probably should just shut up we're, and end their podcast. Hint, hint. We're, we're two guys who play a lot of games. So... so. On that night, on that note, on that most excellent of notes, two guys <laughs> who play a lot of games, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're 50. out. See ya.